Unfamiliar Wildflowers podcast, episode one, Shake, Rattle and Roll. Hello and welcome to Unfamiliar Wildflowers with me, your host, Dr. Grace Tristan Davis. You are joining us for our very first episode, Shake, Rattle and Roll where we'll be learning about a species of annual wildflower, which some people refer to as the meadow maker. This podcast is for anyone who, like me, is basically wild about wildflowers. We'll be touring wildflower meadows. We'll be taking you on wildflower safaris. We'll be hearing from other like-minded people who are making meadows. But we'll also be delving into the biology, ecology, and even the history and culture of some of the key wildflower species. We'll be helped along by the late Professor Frederick Edward Hume and his series of books, Familiar Wildflowers, and from other meadow makers across the Southwest. In today's episode, we will be exploring a small wildflower meadow at the Ennis Estate in the southwest of Cornwall in the UK where we'll be looking out, or rather listening out, for the meadow maker. We will then be time travelling back over a century and hearing from the late Professor Frederick Edward Hume, who will be telling us more about this special wildflower species. We'll then be discussing the practicalities of meadow making with the Head of Gardens and Estate at the Lost Gardens of Heligan, the ever-knowledgeable Alistair Moore. And finally, I'll be answering some of the most frequently asked questions about the meadow maker. So first up, I want to take you to the Ennis Estate. So this is an estate near Falmouth in the south of Cornwall. And this estate is more famous for its extensive carpet of bluebells in the spring. But today, we'll be visiting their wildflower meadow in July to listen out for the distinctive rattle of the meadow maker. So I've just got back from an afternoon at the Ennis Estate and unfortunately when I listened to my audio I didn't pick anything up apart from one or two snippets. So I'm just back in the car and I'm just going to tell you about my meadow safari now whilst it's still fresh in my head. So bear with me and you might need to use your imagination. <laughs> so so as you come in, just past the house, the Ennis house, and there's a small but beautifully formed wildflower meadow to the right of the house. So I entered the meadow and slowly walked through the path that they've cut. And all I could hear was crickets going absolutely crackers um, and the gentle breeze rustling the, um, the, the, the grass and the flowers. But uh, also there was a distinctive buzz and a zip of lots and lots of bumblebees. Um, so the meadow today was an absolute bumblebee buffet. So, so much knapweed. They were absolutely loving that. It's about 50-50 knapweed flowers and seed heads. This is a real favourite with bumblebees and butterflies. So, a lot of really big, round, fluffy um, bumblebee queens. Uh, but also, some male red-tailed bumblebees uh, feeding on the knapweed. So, it was very popular today. <laughs> there was also was, um, an absolute riot. Absolute riot of yellow. Right? Just yellow, yellow, yellow. 
So mostly from the centres of the oxide daisy. So that oxide daisy is a large daisy, um, large asteraceae, um, very yellow centre and then white petals around the outside. But the yellow was also coming from the carpet of bird's foot trefoil. So so much of that um, is available as well. But I only actually saw one or two yellow flowers of our species of today. And it actually made itself more known by the sound it made in the breeze and as I passed it rather than how it looked. So the gentle breeze was rustling the distinctive sort of papery seed capsules of our star species for this episode. The yellow rattle. So when the seed capsules are ripe, they make a very distinctive rattling sound, hence their, their very um, descriptive name, yellow rattle. <laughs> Um, so when they're ripe, um, all you need to do is just brush past some, give them a little shake or, you know, maximum like a flick and all the seeds just come tumbling out. So I did try and record a little bit of the rattling of the yellow rattle for you here. So just play it now. So yellow rattle is one key species in creating wildflower meadows, like no matter what their size. So whether you've got a window box or a wilderness to rewild, it's a yellow rattle that could really you know, make or break um, that wildflower meadow project. So if you're able to get the yellow rattle in, it's basically a parasite to the grasses. Um, so it restricts their growth. It doesn't completely stop their growth, but it restricts their growth and allows the wildflowers to come through. Um, so as I said, it can absolutely make or break your meadow and that's why they call it the meadow maker. So still to come, we'll be time travelling back over a hundred years and hearing from the late Professor Frederick Edward Hume, where he will be telling us more about Yellow Rattle and we'll be hearing how it hasn't actually always been so highly regarded. We'll then be discussing the practicalities of meadow making with Head of Gardens and Estate at the Lost Gardens of Heligan, Alastair Moore. And finally, I'll be answering some of your, well, Google's most frequently asked questions about Yellow Rattle. So before we go straight to the late Frederick Edward Hume, I just want to tell you that this podcast is basically inspired by a series of his books called Familiar Wildflowers, which was published in 1902. So these books have beautiful coloured plates that he drew himself and really lovely descriptive flowering language, pardon the pun, for each of the uh, individual wildflower species that he um, talks about in the book. So it's a real insight into these species 100 years ago. And he includes a really good ID guide. So let's see what insights he has into Yellow Rattle. The Yellow Rattle of England, the Crevech Melon of Wales and the Bodan Chloyen of Ireland groweth in dry meadows and pastures and is to them a great annoyance. The reason of this annoyance does not seem to have been understood until some few years ago when it was observed that the plant is a parasite, attaching itself to the roots of the grass and other herbage surrounding it by means of small suckers. The broomrape and the dodder are other common examples of parasitic plants. The broomrapes are equally curious and plant themselves according to the species on broom, furs, thyme, knapweed, 
milfoil, and other plants. But as we propose to figure one of the common species, we reserve our fuller comments until then. Botanical writers, until comparatively recently, affirmed that we had three species of yellow rattle in Britain, facing specific differences on the size of the flowers, the comparative width of the leaves, and other minor points. But further observation has proved that these characteristics are by no means constant, and the plants showing all the necessary gradations of form required to link one reputed species with another may be readily found. Such great modern authorities as Hooker and Bentham agree in considering that all these supposed species should be reunited and deemed one. The yellow rattle is an annual and ordinarily begins flowering early in June. It generally falls before the mower's scythe, as it is a plant of the meadows and pastures. Linnaeus tells us that the Swedes considered that when the plant had done flowering and was ripening its seeds was the fit time to begin mowing and gathering in the hay crop. But with us, the grass is cut earlier, while the plant is still in flower. It is ordinarily a sign of indifferent pasture and tends to make matters worse, for it comes in the first place because the herbage is poor, while the herbage is the poorer for its coming. Martin introduces the plant in his Flora Rustica, a volume supposed to be devoted to the plants useful to the agriculturalist, but finds it very difficult to say a good word for it. He says that horses, sheep, and goats are said to eat it, and kind to refuse it. Others affirm that cattle in general at liberty refuse it, but that they will eat it when fresh, but reject it when dry among hay. This, it will be seen, is at best but dubious, and a plant that under some circumstances is refused, and in others rejected, would not appear to have any great value. We may, therefore, very legitimately join in the general denunciation of the plant, handsome as it is. Culpepper and some other old writers call the plant the rattlegrass. And amongst the names given as current in Gerard's time, we find the penny grass. Grass being in olden times a sort of generic title for almost all sorts of low-growing herbage. The pennies were the capsules, flattened and yet fairly circular in outline. The resemblance to money is not very great, certainly, but in the good old times, men do not appear to have been very exact on such points. The generic name, Renanthus, is derived from the two Greek words signifying nose and flower, the projecting beak of the upper portion of the corolla being the part that suggested the name, and it is only fair to say that in some other plants in the genus the resemblance is more pronounced. The specific name, Christogalli, means the crest or comb of a cock, because, according to Pliny, it has numerous leaves resembling a cock's comb. Others prefer to see in the notched calyx a resemblance which they deny to the serrated leaves. In France, it is the crête de coq. Parkinson, writing in 1640, calls it the yellow rattle or coxcomb, and distinctly says that the deeply dented edges of the leaves resemble therein the crest or comb of a cock. And yet farther on, he says that some call it Galanaceae, because the flowers, as some think, 
stand like a cock's comb at the tops of the stalks. So what I love about his description is just how bothersome the yellow rattle is. So how it's it's indicating an indicator of a poor pasture and the pasture is poor for it being there, um, which is an absolute stark contrast to, you know, how we see yellow rattle now. It's, it's like gold dust. Um, so many seed suppliers just can't get hold of enough of it to match the demand. Um, sometimes you can't even buy it on its own as a, as a, as a single kind of species. Um, I looked recently and you can buy it at the moment from some suppliers and anything like up to about £300 a kilo. So, you know, really valuable. Um, and it's now this key species in creating and restoring wildflower meadows. So I want to tell you a little bit more about Professor Hume's series of books and my inspiration behind um, these series of, of podcasts. So I managed to record um, a bit of this at Ennis um so you'll get a bit of um atmosphere uh you'll get a bit of, of nature in the background so uh yeah so bear with me with the recording um but yeah this did actually come out when i recorded it so i'm just going to pass you on to that so i first came across this series of books familiar wildflowers by frederick edward whom when i just finished my PhD at Reading University. So what drew me to these books um, was beautiful covers, um, really dark green with gold writing, says familiar wildflowers, and a very stylized um, illustration, I guess, or embossed illustration. And the style of them was very, very Art Nouveau, that sort of naturalistic flowing kind of pattern that um, is distinctive of Art Nouveau. And I really like Art Nouveau, so it drew my eye. And there was there was a few of them in the window of um, Oxfam Bookshop in Reading Town. So I went in, had a look at them and... They had really beautiful colour plates, they coloured illustrations of different wildflowers um, and really beautiful descriptions of them. Um, but also a bit of history and a bit of like kind of cultural heritage of the species, which was really interesting. And an ID guide. So it sort of ticked all the boxes, really. And there was um, quite a few in Oxfam Bookshop. And I thought that maybe they're all the same. Maybe they come from a library or something. I, I didn't think it was a, as a series, unfortunately, because I only so I bought two, thinking they were the same book. Um, actually, bought them for my PhD supervisors as presents. I thought that's a nice thank you present. Um, but when I got them home, I realised actually I'd I'd purchased books one and two in a series of nine um, familiar wildflowers. So I did I kick myself when I got when I got in. So still to come, uh, up next we'll be discussing the practicalities of Yellow Rattle with the Head of Gardens and Estate, the Lost Gardens of Heligan. And then finally I'll be answering some of the most frequently asked questions about Yellow Rattle. 
So I'm just sitting here on um, a bench with Alistair Moore, who is the head of gardens and estate at the Lost Gardens of, of Heligan. And it's very quiet because I think uh, the gardens are just about to close. So we've got a perfect, perfect spot to sit and have a chat. And um, obviously this episode is um, all about yellow rattle. And Alistair has been doing a lot of work with wildflowers at Heligan. And I really wanted to get his take on, on yellow rattle, um, you know what it does, why you know why you know he, why he knows about it, um, and yeah, any any tips or anecdotes actually about about yellow rattle and how it works, basically. Hello, Grace. Yes, well, we're we're very fortunate with, with when it comes to yellow rattle. We've got one of the really interesting areas for um, wildflowers and diversity on the estate is our traditional hay meadow which is called Gillysame and Gillysame has a number of lovely things about it not least three different species of orchid but it is also a kind of prime site for yellow rattle and why yellow rattle is important in a in a wildflower meadow is because it is basically a parasitic plant and it latches into the um, <clears throat> various grass species uh, which otherwise will dominate uh, the the meadow and um, weakens them by um, fundamentally taking uh, nutrients um, from the, those varieties of, of grasses providing less competition for the less vigorous plants that um, I'm all bring that diversity specifically um, for pollinators. So we're very we're we're very kind of um, smug about the amount of yellow rattle we have, and we're delighted to be able to work with the National Wildflower Centre, the Eden Project, who come every year um, to scoop up the rattle seed, which does indeed have a nice little rattle to it in the. Um, in the seed pods but um there's always a bit of a, a slight tension with because we do cut the meadow of course and it's uh, an important part of the rhythm of the meadow is that it's used for grazing and so in the uh in the spring we put sheep in there not for long but just to to, to knock back again that vigorous grass growth and then we let it all come up and maybe in about end of june early july we'll cut it for hay which will go to to feed our lovely flirt our flock and herd of sheep and cattle um <clears throat> and then in october we'll put the cattle in there for again just you know maybe a week week and a half and they'll bash around the place um have a good old graze of some of the taller grasses again that come up but also importantly with their um feet they will uh sort of break up the ground a little bit provide small areas um like a little seed bed um for wildflower seed to grow and that's really the 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 rhythm of the meadow and the importance of yellow rattle thank you alistair that's amazing thank you really interesting and really good bit of practical um practical advice there as well
So frequently asked questions. This is actually frequently Googled questions. Um, so what I'd like from this section in, in the future is to be able to answer some of your most frequently asked questions. So please do send your questions in to me at info at wildflowercollective.org.uk. But today we're going to look at what Google's frequently asked questions when you type in yellow rattle. So first that comes up is seed. So I'm assuming this is people looking for the seed. And as I said, there is a high demand for this from gardeners from people with large areas of land from like councils um, landscapers you know across the board um so you know i do wonder what frederick edward Hume would have thought about it being worth you know up to 300 pounds a kilogram this year i wonder if he'd be astonished and way to think about that so up next it says seeds uk so this is actually really important this this is because the yellow rattle seed needs a frost to, to, to help it germinate. So what you need is native uh, yellow rattle seed and ideally from a location as close to where you're going to sow it as possible. So then you've got the same sort of frost conditions as such. Um, so ideally you want to sow this in the autumn because you know you're going to get a frost over the winter. But if you do have very frosty springs, you can sow it in the spring. But for us, based in the southwest of Cornwall or anyone else, maybe more southerly, um, you probably don't want to be sowing it in the spring. You probably want to sow it in the autumn to make sure it gets that frost to help it germinate. Uh, another thing that comes is plugs. This is people looking for the plants rather than the seed themselves. So I would say, personally, I say there's no point in buying plugs. It's an annual flower. Just get the seeds and just make sure you get the seeds in, in the ground um, and, you know, help them you get them germinating so what comes up after plugs is seedlings so this might be people looking for um, seedlings to put in or it could be people looking for maybe the id what they look like so what i would say is that um, if you want the seedlings to come up you need to make sure that there is bare ground uh, when you're sowing the seed you need to make sure there's lots of bare ground so you can do this with a, uh, like a graze before you sow the seed or um, a hard cut before you sow the seed but anything you're going to get anyway you're going to get bare ground basically so mechanical animal anyway you want to get bare ground in and similarly in the spring you want to make sure there's bare ground for those seedlings to come through so again whether that's you know from grazing uh having animals in there maybe sheep in there whether again that's a mechanical um, machinery getting in that bare ground but it's so important to get those to help those seedlings come through and so they get the light um, and they're really good for the id and they're very distinctive what comes after seedlings is leaves so yellow rattle leaves is a frequently asked question and the leaves are really good for iding they're very distinctive so if you can imagine what a mint leaf looks looks like so the yellow rattle leaves are similar to that so the leaves are set opposite to each other on a square stem the leaves are a lot thinner, smaller, and they're way more lobed, like scalloped edge or lobed edge. Um, and they're very yellowy, greeny colour. So they are very distinctive. Um, so they're a really good way of IDing. And yes, in the spring, they're coming through. You know that you're onto a good thing. So my main tip from these sort of frequently asked questions, it's really about that bare ground. Getting that bare ground before you sow it, getting that bare ground only in the spring, and then looking out for those first little seedlings, those little, little leaves coming through. 
and then you know that you're on to success for your meadow. So thank you for joining us for our very, very first episode, Shake, Rattle and Roll, um, of our Unfamiliar Wildflowers podcast. So the next episode is all about meadow making from cornfield annuals. So that's poppy, cornflower, corn caramel and corn marigold. I think when people imagine wildflower meadows, I think what they're initially what they're thinking of are cornfield annuals, those species that will come up um, that need to seed, that need to seed to come up again, but not necessarily the the perennial wildflower meadows, which are the species rich of lowland meadows, lowland grasslands. But we're going to be talking about the annual meadows um, next episode. So we'll be going back to Heligan, have a little walk around their wildflower project, and hearing more about what they've been doing at Heligan from Alistair and how they've teamed up with a very famous punk artist to create something special. We'll then be time traveling back again to hear from the professor and what he has to say about some of these cornfield annuals. And then we'll be answering, hopefully, some of your frequently asked questions about wildflower um, or annual wildflower meadow making. So please do email me at info at wildflowercollective.org.uk any of your questions and I'll try and answer those on the next podcast and of course don't forget to subscribe to this podcast uh, and also our newsletter for for updates and hints and tips Um, details of this are on our website which is www.wildflowercollective.org.uk and I'll pop some of this in the show notes as well so thank you uh, for listening today and thank you to Alistair Moore the Lost Gardens of Heligan Ennis Estate and of course the late Professor Frederick Edward Hume.